three, two, one. Hey folks, we're back again. It's Mustafa, in case you all of a sudden forgot why you clicked on or who you clicked on with. And today's guest is not Drew Richards this time. It is someone else. Someone who I've been to school or with going to school with for a very, very long time. I think since middle school. Wow, time flies. Uh, sir, can you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Joe Lupo. Moose, happy to be here, brother. Happy to talk with you as always. We always have great discussions. Um, I, uh, I, I work for a Bitcoin company called CoinBits, founded by another one of our friends, uh, Maher Janadri and Youssef. And uh, I'm the general manager of CoinBits Reserve, which is the uh, fund for businesses and high net worth individuals. So we help individuals and businesses invest into Bitcoin and learn more about Bitcoin um, and uh, just grow Bitcoin adoption across the world and show people what it can do for them. Now, if you guys didn't know, Joe works with Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been trying to get Joe on this podcast for a long time because, I mean, one, he's a great individual to chat with, and we have such long conversations to the point where it's like, I think we should pull out the microphones and like talk about this. Joe and I, we, uh, we agree and we disagree on a lot of things, but that's what makes this country amazing. It's because our butts aren't hurt and we don't get mad at each other. We just sometimes agree, sometimes strongly disagree. But to be honest, I kind of agree with most of the things Joe agrees with, so we're kind of on the same page. But uh, getting back, Joe, all right, so for listeners who don't understand really like Bitcoin, I've talked to a lot of customers, and they're like, well, you can't touch it. It's, it's not gold. It's not currency, but it acts like currency. What is it then? It's a great question. So Bitcoin is a form of digital money. Um, look at money as what I like to describe as a market good. Uh, we were raised to kind of just think of money as a fixed entity fixed item that that we just were told hey these greenbacks here this is money there's no other option on the market use this and you know go as you please um, but if we start to look at money as a market good as we treat other market goods say if we go and buy a car or if we go and buy groceries we compare the characteristics of these certain items mm -hmm. and we realize you know certain characteristics make one thing function better than another um, so when we look at money and we look at Bitcoin as money, we realize that it has certain characteristics that make it to be a good money. Mm -hmm. um, characteristics that our dollars don't necessarily have. So Bitcoin as a form of money is finite in nature, um, as opposed to our dollars, which are essentially infinite. So when Bitcoin was created in 2009, its creator, Satoshi Nakamoto, mm -hmm. uh, put a limit on the amount of Bitcoin that can exist, 21 okay. million. Okay. So there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin to ever exist. Okay. Um, now this flies directly in the face of what we have today, which is called fiat money, mm -hmm. which is basically just money by edict. Um, that means we, it's money because as a government we say it's money and we control the money supply. The Federal Reserve is in control of monetary policy mm -hmm. and they can basically print as many dollars as they see fit. So then when they print more, for example, because also inflation is another topic hot topic in the last year. Mm. What does that mean if they print more then the value of the dollar, right, goes down? Essentially, yes. That's um, So basically just look at it as like a fixed pie and you have a certain amount of dollars in your bank account mm -hmm. and if someone's able to inflate the supply, mm -hmm. now you have less share of the pie. Mm. So your share gets diluted. Um, so that's why, you know, we see a lot of prices going up everywhere around us, especially over the last two years. Um, now, some of that's due to supply chain issues, as we know from the pandemic. But when you inject, I think it's about over 40% of the entire money supply was created over the last two years, over mm, 40%. That's a lot. Now you have a lot of more dollars chasing fewer goods. Mm. So prices can only go one way, and mm -hmm. that's, that's up. So then where does Bitcoin play like? into this some people say bitcoin was created to just combat inflation but like say for example i want to buy a hundred dollars worth of bitcoin mm -hmm. so it's point zero 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 something like that right? right and then the next day i see it go up 
or I see it go down. Mm -hmm. Why does that happen? So it just it goes up and down based on supply and demand. Um, it's basically what the market's willing to pay for it at that time. We look at Bitcoin right now as a store of value. Um, money takes a certain trajectory in the, in the process of becoming money. And it starts with basically being like an ornament almost. So if you look at like gold's history, yeah. gold was a shiny object mm -hmm. that people liked. Mm -hmm. um, it was heavy. It looked nice. Um, so, you know, you're able to make jewelry with it. So it kind of takes this form of like an ornament. People, people like it. It's, it's unique. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes a store of value. Mm. So now you can store your wealth in this thing. This thing can't be easily created. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm going to convert my value, my, my work, my money into this, this store of value to preserve my value over time. Mm -hmm. Then it goes up to a medium of exchange. So medium of exchange means I use this to transact with mm. um, goods and services, right? The society uses this as a means of exchange. And then finally, it becomes a unit of account. We start pricing things mm. in, in this. We denominate goods and services in this money. Um, so that's kind of the trajectory of, of money. And right now, Bitcoin is in the beginning stage of store of value. Okay. We liken it to digital gold. So it's, it's a store of value. It's the most sound form of money because we can't create any more of it. So you know when you have one Bitcoin, you have one of 21 million. Okay. No one will ever dilute your share. Interesting. So it's kind of like a, a unique thing. Like if someone prints 100 shirts or if a car maker makes five types of one special kind of car, Right. And then if you have it, then obviously year over year, the value of it increases. Yeah. But the problem is now, Joe, is people see the dollar being backed by most of the world, mm -hmm. including the Federal Reserve. But then what about Bitcoin? Who's backing Bitcoin? Well, so the dollar's backed by the U.S. government, right? And yeah. it's the world reserve currency. Um, but that's all it's backed by is the, is the word of of the government it's not backed by gold any longer it okay. was it used to be backed by gold that's why it was sound money mm -hmm. um but you know back in 1971 we were dealing with the war and um some of the nations whose gold we actually stored for them yeah were calling back for that gold oh. we couldn't we couldn't <laughs> finance the war any longer and we couldn't make good on our promise to get back the gold so what did president nixon do is he took us off the gold standard. 1971, he said, dollars are no longer redeemable in gold. Um, we have this now fiat money that we have still today, mm -hmm. which basically means we control the monetary supply. We don't have to back it by anything. There's no checks and balances. Um, no one's ever audited the Federal Reserve, so no mm. one actually even knows how much money supply there actually is. Interesting. Um, so we can just, we basically control, we, we print at will as, as, as we I mean, see fit. Don't they say like 2% of the dollars physically cash is, I mean like what, what is that, uh, what do they say, like only like 2% is physical, the rest is in computers? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It's, it's somewhere, uh, above 95% of the dollar is, is digital. And this is actually wow. a great way to think about Bitcoin because, um, you know, people think, I've had, I've had people ask me um, with all this talk about CBDCs, right? Central bank digital currencies. Yeah. And they ask, you know, well, if, if they roll out a CBDC, then what's the use of Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. And this question, and, and this is obviously a new space for many people, new industry, new line of thinking for everyone. So, so you know, obviously very sympathetic to not understanding these certain things. But a CBDC would only increase the need for Bitcoin mm. because now you completely wiped out physical cash okay. and you can just, you easily increase the money supply with a keystroke, but mm. also from a surveillance point of view. Um, so, you know, if you are doing something we don't want you to do, if you espouse views we don't like, we can shut off your account. We're in complete control of it. It's mm. all digital and it's yeah. all held at the Federal Reserve. Um, you know, we've, we saw this actually recently with the Canadian trucker protest. Yeah. Um, you and I spoke about this a little bit before, yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, the truckers were protesting a mandate, a vaccine mandate. Um, I believe it was international uh, vaccine mandate. They couldn't go across the border. And, you know, they finally said, listen, enough's enough with all these lockdowns, these mandates, like we're done with it. Um, 
And most of them, I believe, were even vaccinated at the time, but they all kind of banded together to stick up for everyone. Um, and the Canadian government decided retroactively anyone who participated in the protest or yeah. even donated to the protest, mm -hmm. we're going to free, uh, freeze and seize your bank accounts. I heard they did the same to the family members too of these truckers. The, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was all, there was no due process, no legislative process. They mm -hmm. just, this was by edict. They said, we're going, to, we're, we're doing this just because you, like imagine donating to a cause. Yeah. And you know, a month later, your bank account's frozen simply because you sent a donation. Mm. So, you know, this kind of control, this kind of mass surveillance society that we're heading towards, yeah. um, Bitcoin is a protection against all of this because mm. Bitcoin's uh, decentralized. So there's no central entity controlling Bitcoin, controlling mm. the Bitcoin network. It's all a bunch of nodes all across the world that all have to agree with each other by consensus. Mm -hmm. um, so no one can tell you, no one can inflate the supply. No one can tell you, you can't send your Bitcoin anywhere. Um, you can send, you can send a million dollars worth of Bitcoin at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night across the world to China if mm -hmm. you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's complete a bearer asset. You're in complete control as the user. And um, that's why it's so powerful because it kind of brings back that sovereignty to the individual. So then think about this, Joe, right? So what was it? Bitcoin was hovering around $3,000 for so long, and then it spiked to 19000 all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Why did that happen? Um, that was a lot of, there was, I remember it in this is 2017, so yeah. there was, you know, there was a lot of crypto craze going on. Everyone was getting on board with this new cryptocurrency, and it was a lot of pump and dumps, a lot of market manipulation. Um, you had bigger players pumping up the price and then selling and mm -hmm. then fear. Um, there's a lot of leverage in the system too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's an unregulated market. So you basically are able to buy more than you can afford. Yeah. And then with that comes dangerous risk, right? So if you get liquidated, if the price goes down to a certain position, you yeah. get liquidated, your entire position gets wiped out. So you mm -hmm. see these massive spikes and these massive drops um, based on all of this activity and leverage in, in, in the network. So I remember that time, um, I was working in accounting at the time and we, everyone was talking about cryptocurrency like <laughs> all day long. Yeah. Like I remember, I, I remember like the partners getting, getting mad because, you know, there was more of a focus on cryptocurrency than there was accounting. And, um, so yeah, it was just like this wave of media and, um, yeah, it was just circulating. So everyone was getting involved and, and then they realized, you know, that most of this is, most most of this is a scam in a way. I don't uh, I don't want to use the word scam, but um, that's what a lot of people think who are well, older in like accounting and the right. banking systems. Even to this day, yeah, bankers think it's just one big scam. Right. Well, it's it's like when the internet came about. There was a bunch of websites um, that popped up, and then only a few remained after. Right. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so you know that's exactly what's happening in the crypto space. You know, Bitcoin came about. And all of these other companies kind of came about on mm -hmm. Bitcoin's tails mm -hmm. um, and, you know, kind of riding that wave. But none of these other cryptos have the characteristics that Bitcoin has. Um, they're not decentralized. They do have a single point of failure. You know, there's a CEO behind them. They have headquarters. There's mm -hmm. a team trying to get rich off of it. They have pre-mines, so they distribute coins, you know, to people on the inside before, they, before they're accessible uh -huh. to the masses. Um, you know, none of these are Bitcoin. And that's why you see, you know, a lot of these coins pop up. I think there was a, uh, there was that show that was really popular, Squid. Squid games, squid I believe. Games. Yeah. Yes. And, Insane. you know, someone I remember made a squid coin oh, while yeah. this, you know, while the craze for squid games was going on. And I think it literally like it, it reached like a billion dollars in market cap overnight and then crashed down to zero. Uh -huh. So like it was a crazy story. I, I might be wrong with the, the amounts, but like literally like overnight and then crashed back down to zero because it, it's worthless. It's a hype so, coin. Yeah. I mean. It, so we use Coinbase uh, mm -hmm. in the beginning to do a lot of this whole uh, holding and selling and stuff like that. Then Coinbase wallet to keep it on the phone so that way it's decentralized. And uh, the good thing what I see is that you can research all these coins to see how much money is being distributed through each coin. 
how much is being pumped into it, being sold, and what is like the main reason for it. Right. Now, like, mm -hmm. people get confused. They're like, oh, it's on the Ethereum blockchain to right. help this and that. And yeah. I mean, a lot of people still don't understand it because they don't understand. Another thing which I want to ask you is like, all right, so what is blockchain and what is mining? Because people want to understand that before they actually put some money into Bitcoin. Right, it's a great question. So blockchain is a digital ledger. It's an accounting ledger, okay. basically. Um, and, and mining is the process through new, which uh, new Bitcoins are created, mm -hmm. but also through which um, ver transactions are verified on the network. Okay. So miners essentially act like financial institutions. Mm -hmm. um, think of, you know, Joe wants to send money to Moose, so Chase, confirms with Wells Fargo, you know, Joe has this money, we're gonna verify that mm. that it goes into Moose's account and all's good there. That's mm -hmm. basically what miners do. Okay. Um, and they get rewarded for their work. So when they confirm a transaction, they get new Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they're paid through transaction fees and also new Bitcoin on, on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, however, there mm -hmm. won't be any more new Bitcoin released at 2140, in the year 2140. Mm. So there's a, it's a little complex, but there's there's something called the halving cycle. Okay. Right now, 900 new Bitcoin are released every day. There's only 19 of the 21 million Bitcoin mm -hmm. that exist in the world today. The, the other 2 million have not been created yet. Mm. So through this halving cycle, we release new Bitcoin every single day. We mm -hmm. give them to the miners who win the rewards for verifying transactions. Mm -hmm. And there's 900 new Bitcoin a day released. After the next halving cycle, which will be in 2024, I believe, it's every four years, mm -hmm. um, there will be 450 released every day. Mm. And then from there, 225 every day and so forth, all the way until zero, until all 21 million have been mined mm -hmm. and there's no more Bitcoin to be released. There's all 21 million exist and that's all that will ever exist. So then what happens after that? So the, the blockchain, the, the network keeps running as usual. Um, miners get paid on transaction fees. They're not okay. rewarded new Bitcoin. Okay. They just get paid by transaction fees, which the, the Bitcoin will be so valuable at that point, yeah. we surmise, mm -hmm. that you know, transaction fees will more than cover their, their work. Um, mm, you know, they'll be more than incentivized to, to continue mining. Um, because at that time, you know, we believe Bitcoin will be it, probably the world reserve currency. I don't know how that sounds to you, mm -hmm. but it will it will be the foundational layer of our money. Last year, there was uh, everyone thought that Bitcoin would hit to a hundred thousand. Yeah. But instead, it got to the peak. I think it was like sixty-seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Sixty-nine. Yeah. Yeah. Which wasn't bad. I mean, like holy moly, that's yeah. still something. Right. And then it crashed all the way down to a thirty-two. Yes, the yep. new year. they went a little lower than that, actually. I think it went right below 30. Wow, really? Yeah. But then you compare that to last year, in the beginning of the year. What was it last year? The beginning of the year, I believe it was around like a little under 20,000. It yes. was like maybe eight, seventeen, mm -hmm. eighteen thousand, 18,000, um, somewhere around there, yeah. What's interesting is that you, you, what's great with Bitcoin and the apps and everything, like uh, Coinbase, is that like you can see the graph. Right. And it's been gradually going up. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then if you look at the micrographs, it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a, no, that's a great point. Um, that's why, you know, Bitcoin rewards people who have a long-term point of view. Mm -hmm. um, we call it strong hands versus mm -hmm. weak hands, right? Or, or they diamond hands. Diamond hands, yeah. they call it. Right, exactly. And, you know, so you're able to, the more you learn about the Bitcoin network and you yeah. learn about... Um, the fundamentals of it. And then you learn about monetary history and what makes a good money and mm -hmm. what has made a good money historically. You build that conviction in Bitcoin. And through that conviction, you're able to ride with the cycles up and down. And you, you start looking at the downturns mm -hmm. as an opportunity, mm -hmm. um, an opportunity to acquire more Bitcoin. You know, they call it by the dip, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, once you realize how valuable this network is, how valuable this new asset is, um, and again, solely Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency, yeah. Bitcoin only, uh -huh. um, you know, you just, you can't get your hands on enough of it. So I'm going to be playing devil's advocate this whole time here, Joe, because mm -hmm. most of the listeners, they're going to just be like, I mean, 
I still can't back, because say for example, you go to a mechanic, right? And they're like just a small time mechanic and they'll give you a cheap price, they'll fix your car, something's still wrong with your car. Yeah. But then if you go to the dealership, they'll charge you an arm and a leg, but they're the dealership because they sell you the car too. Mm -hmm. And they'll get whatever they can, but it's going to be like an arm and a leg's worth, mm -hmm. you know? So like people are comparing that Bitcoin towards the dollar. I mean, also it's because of tradition too. It's mm. a long time tradition of using cash for this to buy this. Right. But then you see the world changing because most people don't understand or hear the news about Bitcoin as much because obviously, you know, the media, mainstream media really doesn't talk much about it unless there's a huge pump in a craze. Yeah, then it's all over CNBC. Then it's all <laughs> over all of it, you know. All right, so let's talk about then. All right, so for example, well, well actually, I have a good example for you. Actually, based on, on your your question, um, so you know, I came across this a few weeks ago. Um, it's kind of like a thought exercise, I guess, and I actually did it with my dad. Um, so, and it's very simple. So, ask someone who's above the age of thirty about, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, you know, when when was the first email they sent, if they remember. You know, yes. just just kind of a guess, and the likely answer will be the mid-90s, mm -hmm. you know, by AOL, right? Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what my dad said, actually. He said, he said mid-90s. Um, and then the next thing you do is, is you ask, do you know when the first email was ever sent? Mm. Do you know when it was? Early 90s? 1971. What? Yeah. So, you know, so what we can take away from this, and, you know, the, the takeaway is pretty incredible. So... There was about a 25-year, give or take, period between mm. when the first email was ever sent mm -hmm. and between when email reached the masses, mm. right? To, yeah. That they actually started using email for the first time. Um, Bitcoin's 13 years old, mm -hmm. right? And it's the fastest-growing trillion-dollar network of all time. Mm. So it reached a tr trillion dollars in 12 years. Um, now, that's faster, to put it in perspective, than Amazon, than Microsoft, than Google, mm. than Apple the fastest growing trillion dollar network of all time. So it's only 13 years old. Um, now people are getting used to using this new form of money mm -hmm. the same way they got used to using email, the same way they got used to using smartphones, you know, and everything else. Um, so it's, it takes some time, mm -hmm. but I think we've seen, you know, especially over our lives, yeah. you know, the, the generation that we grew up in, how fast new technology can be adopted. But look at it this way, Joe, right? The main reason why people use credit cards mm. or debit cards, because think about it, you know, the money says it's there, but you're not physically holding it, right. just like with Bitcoin, is that because the way to do a transaction is much easier than the way to do a transaction via Bitcoin. Do you think there will be a much easier, I mean, in my opinion, I guess because I'm a nerd, mm -hmm. but I think it's just as easy. Yeah. So like, say for example, I want to send you Bitcoin, right? So they, your, your wallet generates some kind of uh, code QR or code, a QR code yeah. or a really, really long code. Right. And then you send oh, me the code the or I scan yep. your phone. Mm -hmm. And then I, it says how much do you want to send? And then it says miners fee this much. And do you accept and send? Right. So do you think there's a much easier way? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, just just like we do in in with fiat money, where you know we swipe cards, as, as you alluded to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can send you Bitcoin via Cash App right now. Oh yeah, that's right. Right, I and um, you know, I there's actually a barber shop in when we go down the shore. There's a barber shop literally in Tom's River, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. They take Bitcoin. Oh nice. Um, and you know, you literally just it's actually easier to pay in Bitcoin than it is you know in dollars because. You just, they have a QR code up there. Yeah. You could open your wallet, say it's mm -hmm. Coinbase, yeah. and you open up your wallet, you just put it up there, bam, boom, paid immediately. And then another positive thing is that there's technically no taxes nor transaction fees from credit card people. Right, exactly. Because you know, it's, it's, it's handled as an asset then, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And this is why Bitcoin's so powerful internationally is because of remittances. Right? Mm -hmm. When you look at Western Union, um, and you look at the fees of something like that. Like yeah. Western Union takes anywhere I've read from, you know, 15 to 40 percent 
hmm. um, of, of fees that, that to actually make it back in that family member's hands. Yeah. Um, so when you eliminate that, all those, all that middlemen, all those middlemen, um, you know, all of that money now is actually going to where you intended it to go, hmm. as opposed to that middle party, that third party. Um, so that's why, you know, you see Bitcoin's adoption growing rapidly. And that's why, you know, a country like El Salvador um, has adopted it as legal tender. You know, first country to ever do that. And it's an official currency in El Salvador. So El Salvador. Um, so then other places like I heard China or not China, India is adopting it to where you can hold it and also pay for some things but not everything right it's not going to be an official currency but they're regulating it yeah. as opposed to just they're basically putting their stamp of approval on it like saying hey it's mm -hmm. legal to use it's okay. not an official currency there um not, not yet mm -hmm. as far as i know mm -hmm. but um but yeah a lot of countries are you know there's a race to be part of this adoption and this innovation yeah, of course right if you if you push it away um, I'll give you a good example. Last year, China banned mining. Yeah. Um, and most of the miners actually were located in China. Mm -hmm. So what did they do? They shut down operations. 40% mm -hmm. of the network shut down. Wow. And came over, and most of them landed in the USA. Yeah. A lot of them are in Texas now. Really? Um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, now the USA is benefiting from all those new jobs, this new innovation. Mm -hmm. um, Mining actually incentivizes renewable energy because miners are forced to seek like the cheapest energy around. So there's all of this research and development going on by Bitcoin mining. And now, you know, China's loss is our gain. Yeah. Um, but that's why. All right. So quick tidbit. Tesla holds or where they bought a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. Right. Um, and yeah. it's obviously a lot more now mm -hmm. than what they're holding. But the thing is, is that. Elon Musk came out and said that we're not going to actually be dealing in Bitcoin until there's a much better way for it to not hurt the environment. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he and he he tweeted that um, sometime last year, and I remember it sent markets. Uh, oh yes. Really far down. Yeah. Yes. That, that had a really big effect on the price. And then the he bought more Bitcoin. <laughs> and then he bought more. Exactly. Um, and and this is the interesting part about mining. When you look a little deeper, you know. Um, we actually mentioned Cash App, Jack Dorsey, so the founder of Twitter and the founder of Cash App, yep. uh, Square. Um, he's actually made Bitcoin his entire life. Now he's completely focused on Bitcoin. I don't know if, I don't know if you heard oh, that. I did. I, he left Twitter just for that. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, around that same time, he tweeted, um, you know, Bitcoin incentivizes renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're seeing a lot with whether it's solar, whether it's hydro, um, there's a, and, and this isn't my space, so I'll probably butcher this, but there's a process called gas flaring mm -hmm. um, where, you know, basically CO2 is just emitted into the atmosphere. It's just wasted mm. um, in, in the process of, um, of oil drilling and, okay. and everything that takes place there. So this is all just wasted gas that's mm. going into the environment. Um, miners are able to capture this, turn it into electricity where it's, it's not emitted into the atmosphere and it's actually used to profit um, and, and they're capturing this wasted gas. So, so it's actually less emissions overall because of this process. So CO2, which the trees need, right, mm -hmm. is, is more than, say for example, is more gas going than what the trees need. So it basically burns a hole into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're set, well, something like that. I mean, right. this is not my field either, but I'm mm -hmm. just going off of like elementary science. Yeah. But then you're saying that they're, able to capture that gas and turn it into renewable energy. Correct. Energy that, that they use to mine Bitcoin okay. that otherwise would have been wasted and, and emitted into the into the But atmosphere. like how are they, ca are they, do they have like a balloon that catches it or oh, like a I, vacuum in the air or something? Or? Uh, they, they have something, I, I, I don't, do not know the answer Because when that. you said that, but, I thought about cows. Right. Because you know how, I remember I was reading something that cows emits so much of that gas mm -hmm. that is actually bad for the environment to have cows, like because we yeah, have so I've, much. Yeah, I've heard all this stuff too. Yeah. And why not just have a mining company also house cows? Uh, well, I should say I don't think the cow thing is is very true. Yeah. Um, like like they'll talk about water consumption from the cows. Ca cow farts. 
That's what I read. I, I heard that too. Yeah. From uh, I don't think that's. I believe real. it was AOC yeah. or the Green New Deal and all yeah. that. All that cow stuff. farts, people. Cow farts. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really uh, an existential threat, I guess, to us. Is uh, I guess we have to eat more beef, Joe. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to um, eat more beef for the good of the planet. Yeah, but n no, you know, to get back to your original question, miners, I don't, I couldn't tell you the exact process that mm -hmm. the flare gas is captured. Yeah. Um, I just know that it is captured and mm -hmm. it's converted into energy, mm -hmm. um, and it otherwise would not have been you know you're right about this whole forcing for renewable energy like it's been a problem for the world for like hundreds of years mm. now we're basically relying most of our power on what nuclear energy well i don't think we are yet but i think i've listened like to some very smart people who think we should yeah, um, but then what if, God forbid, there's a meltdown? Yeah, so so from my understanding, you know, a lot of that is narrative. Okay. Um, that the risks are actually a lot smaller mm. than they're perceived to be. You know, obviously we have the Chernobyls of the world mm. and and all of that, and, and nuclear. You know, yeah, um, is a very there's a lot, lot to that word, right? It's a lot of fear in it's, that word. It's scary, um, Joe. Exactly. I mean, we're going through it right now with Russia and and potential yeah. of nuclear. But like, um, look, I'm watching. Posturing. I'm watching this show, Last Man on Earth, not the comedy one. Uh, the well, it was also a comedy one. It was literally one guy left. He survived a virus, and then he finds other survivors. Sorry, spoiler alert. But the thing is, they're like, where should we drive to? Mm -hmm. Because all these nuclear factories that were powering the U.S. Right. are melting. Yeah. Thus, radiation poisoning can occur. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, we can go nowhere because we have so many reactors. Right. Now, like, nuclear is obviously a positive or a negative thing, how you look at it. But, like, I don't know, Joe. I mean, like, it's just, like you said, it's scary. Well, I... Personally, I, I don't think it's as scary as it's made out to be. Mm -hmm. um, from my understanding, it's a lot safer than we believe it to be. Um, and it will cure a lot of our energy problems. Mm -hmm. um, it'll make us a lot less dependent on foreign energy. Um, so everything that I've heard about nuclear has been good. Um, and that the fears are a little drawn out. Do you think there'll ever be an advancement in like solar or like, hey, we have an ocean, we can get power from that I'd, somehow. I'd love there to be. I, my, my personal take on it has been anytime that you throw billions of dollars of subsidies at something mm -hmm. and you don't really have much to show for it, you know, we've been throwing billions of dollars a year, for years mm -hmm. of subsidies into clean energy. Mm. Um, and, you know, what do we really have? You know, like... We think we're making strides. Maybe we are. I don't, I don't really believe that there's anything concrete. You know, that's where I get a little skeptical. Mm. Um, there's a lot of push towards renewable. Mm -hmm. It's getting a lot of, you know, a, a lot of support. But I don't think it's really delivering how we wanted it to. I hope that it eventually will. Of course. But I, anytime, like I said, anytime you prop up an industry mm -hmm. on fiat a bunch of billions of fiat dollars, right? Mm -hmm. That we just kind of print out of thin air mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have much to show for it. That's where I, I get a little skeptical. Yeah, I mean, like, we as Americans consume so much of everything, mm -hmm. especially power. Yeah. 24-7, we're spoiled, guys. Like, we're so spoiled. If there's a power outage, then everyone freaks out or people have generators and stuff like yeah. that. But, like, if you go to a third world country, for example, when we were in Afghanistan, they basically use the power to turn on lights and charge their phones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how do they get the power? Because, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere in the villages. They have a huge river. So they focus on the river churning and creating electricity. Mm -hmm. Or they had solar panels on every roof, mm -hmm. which can only go to an extent. But for those simple, like, living, like, renewable energy makes sense. But in our country and first world countries, I guess is what they call it, is like, I think we're just greedy when it comes to power. Yeah, yeah, we've been living beyond our means, I think, for a long time now. Yeah. And I think that's a very dangerous way to approach life. You're right. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, or fortunately, the chickens come home to roost, right? Mm -hmm. So to speak, like, you can only 
take out so many credit cards, right? That's the weird thing, Joe. You're right. I mean, like, look at this. Look at our life now compared to when we were growing up, right? Mm -hmm. All right, cars, great. Took gasoline. We had a CD player in it. We walked to school from time and again. We played baseball. Video games, but yeah, sure, we played it once in a while, but it was not connected to the internet. Yeah. Once you beat a mine, it was all mind games, technically. Mm -hmm. Once you beat that, then you're like, all right, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go walk to Krauser's or Antonio's <laughs> Pizza and get something to eat. And then you enjoyed life. You had dinner without phones or no. TV turned on, and you had a conversation with your family. Right. Your parents were like, you know, so what did you do today? Mm -hmm. There was genuine human interaction exactly yeah. that's exactly and now where are we 20 years later yeah it's funny because i think i feel like the generation before us used to say the same thing to yeah. us right yeah, like yeah. like we had uh n64 and stuff like i remember playing like madden on there a lot yeah. and and um but we were definitely outside more yes, uh, to, without a to doubt. your point i agree and yeah i don't know that's a dangerous way especially from a human health standpoint yeah right um is where are we going, you know, with this pandemic, obviously, and I think it shed a lot of light on the unhealthiness of our society. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's exercise, whether it's vitamin D, or whether it's that human interaction that yeah. you're talking about, yeah. you know? Um, I don't think our, I think we're weaker than we're supposed to be mm. in many different formats. And uh, we look for quick fixes, mm -hmm. right? We look for the pill, we look for the, Injection, or we go. On, <laughs> we look for. We, the, we go on Google to get like the answer. We go, yeah, exactly. Which is a dangerous thing to do, by the way. It's very you, dangerous. You have a headache. All of a sudden, it's telling you you have brain cancer or something. Yeah, you know, I try to stay away from doing MD. that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think. Um, like, you, think about it. All right, so when you have a kid, your mm -hmm. life changes, your whole mindset changes, and everything. When I come home every night from work. Yeah. I make sure the kids turn off their screens or the mm. TV, and then we just play with toys. When I'm off from work, unless we go out to eat, no one sees a screen. Interesting. Because okay. I want to keep things humanely, like, interactive as possible. Mm -hmm. And I just... Do you, do you think... Now, see, I'm not a parent yet, mm -hmm. um, but I've... I've witnessed other parents and what they go through, and I empathize with everything. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. sometimes I don't know how they do it. Like, I don't know how you do it sometimes. It's amazing to me. Um, do you think that the screen can be, like, valuable at some points? Double-edged sword, Joe. Yeah. It's a definitely double-edged sword. For example, my daughter goes to school, and then we want her skills in Arabic to be much better, mm -hmm. and the school can only do so much. Right. So we pay 80 bucks a month, three times a week, 30 minutes each session. Yeah. She has a Zoom class, which before pandemic, people were like, what is a Zoom class? Mm. But now she sits with the teacher. The teacher is very interactive with like screens and cartoons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she learns. That's awesome. But one of us has to be there. Okay. Because remember, she's still a kid. Right, right. So exactly. she's very yeah. antsy. She wants to just go and play and this mm -hmm. and that, distracted very easily. Yeah. But then they like sprung this on like high school students and college students and then who knows, after this pandemic they might just make everyone turn away from the screen. Mm. You know? I I mean, I think there's a I think there's there's something inherent in us as humans where we crave being outside, we mm -hmm. crave interaction, we crave movement. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously it's easy to get into a comfortable phase where, you know, the couch is a lot more easier than, oh, yeah. than, than getting outside and, and getting going for a run. But I think there's been a push for more exercise. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember I, I lived in Hoboken for a while and, you know, if it was a relatively nice day, you mm -hmm. just saw people everywhere, mm -hmm. um, you know, running. And, mm -hmm. and I understand that that's a certain demographic, right? It's 20s and 30s. And, yeah. Um, everyone's kind of going out and look, mm -hmm. trying to look good, I guess, and, and all that. Um, so I think there's like, but there's like something instinctual there where humans, you know, they talk about this metaverse stuff. Mm. Like, oh like no one's ever going to go outside again or something. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. You know, as, as soon as the pandemic ended, I just saw, like, you couldn't get a reservation. Yeah. Right? Like, um, you know, people have this desire to be out. Um, 
But I think a lot of the stuff that we do um, inhibits that. Like a lot of the food that we eat, mm. you know, it makes us lazier. It makes us unhealthier. Yeah. It gives us less energy, less okay. mental clarity. I just ate two bagels and like, I'm like, this is the most comfortable. I know. I'm so mad at you for bringing bagels here. I, I've been resisting it. I feel like you so guys need a little change once in a while in the office, you know, yeah. from, oh my God, someone brought bagels to, where did that picture of a cute cat come from? You know, things like that. We, I'll, I'll, I'll tell Maher we should work on that. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, instead of bagels, though, I kind of want lunch from, you know, I want, I want a nice kebab. Oh, from our sponsor, from, from so. our sponsor, Hills of Herat, <laughs> located in Martinsville. Uh, shameless plug right there. And I will give it my full support. Five stars, ten stars. Amazing. Listen, if you guys can work on a laptop, mm -hmm. feel free to come anytime lunchtime to the restaurant. Uh, we, we don't we'll have do as fast internet, but, you know. We should uh, implement that once or twice a week. Yeah, I fully why not? Agree. Why not? Yeah. But back to your instinctive point as a human being to go out. I've seen it in my kids, and it blows my mind to this mm -hmm. day. Like, when it's a beautiful day, right, I'll go outside, and when my kids are off from school or whatever, they're like, wait, 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 Daddy, don't close the door. I was like, why? What happened? And then they always come outside, and my daughter takes a big, I used to do this as a kid, they just smell mm -hmm. the fresh air. Yeah, yeah. And then they feel the sun, and you can see, they're just taking in the moment, they feel the sun on their face, mm -hmm. and then... My daughter's like, Daddy, it smells like rain or it smells like leaves or cut grass. Yeah. And I'm like, who taught you this? Right, right. Like, how yeah. did you learn this? Because I grew up in woods in the Warren. Yeah. And we were surrounded by that every day, mm -hmm. you know? But yeah. like, then the body just, it feels better. Like you see a change in her, right? Yes. Like there's, yeah, there's just like, like you can't deny it. There's yeah. something sparked in her where, and she's, exactly. she's like where she should be almost, right? Yep, like, yep. That's, I mean, they call that also greenscaping, which is part of, you know, they say that every human being needs to greenscape mm -hmm. as development for the brain and physically, too. Yeah. You know, go walking in the woods, mm -hmm. you know, enjoy the scenery, eat yeah. a freaking apple from an actual tree for right, once, right. things like that. Oh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of all this, and that's what I try to do now. Like, I, I love being outside, going for walks. I used to not... You know, I used to, okay, I'm going to work out, and then that's it. But now yeah. I, I put walks into my routine, too. Oh, yes. And, you know, being outside, that vitamin D, I remember I got COVID, actually, in August. Hmm. And one of the first things I did was, I know this sounds insane, but I went for a run outside, okay. like, literally the next day. All right. And my wife wanted to kill me. Um, <laughs> the doctor that I spoke to said, yeah, you probably should not do that. Don't do that again. But it was a nice, sunny day. And feeling the sun on me yeah. and, like, that movement, it just made my body feel better. Uh -huh. You know, I had, like, a fever at the time. Um, and But it was just, like, you know, that's like that was, like, some natural healing that you just can't replicate no, anywhere can't. else. I mean, like, look at this. Now we're at this point in human history where we're indoors for our job. Mm -hmm. We're indoors because we, want, we think that we'd be happy if we own our house where we're indoors getting a nice job nine to five indoors and just staying corporate where is people thrive on moving around right walking outside just caring it, about themselves yeah it's it's seeking that comfort constantly and that's a that's a really dangerous path to go on yeah um, you know we see I saw someone someone said the other day you know and I, and I remember uh, Rogan said this one, Joe Rogan said this one time, like, go to Disney World mm. and look around and you'll see just how unhealthy our society is. Oh my God. And, yes. you know, someone said the other day, go, you know, go to an airport, yeah. you'll see. And unfortunately, that's true. Yeah. You know, um, we need to introduce some of this back into our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, from a Bitcoin perspective, we, we look at it, um, we, we call, we, we think money affects everything in society, mm -hmm. okay? So, um, you know, some of this policy was dictated by studies that were funded by government money, Yeah. okay? And um, so, you know, for example, we have the food pyramid that yes. we all grew up on, Oh, right? yes. Um, <laughs> How wrong that was. Yeah, ex exactly. And, you know, so we were taught <laughs> growing up um, mm -hmm. that, you know, the base layer of our food pyramid was grains, carbs, you know, mm -hmm. I grew up eating carbs before a basketball game. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and thinking that, okay, this is, this is good for me. This is giving me energy, whatever. And, you know, growing up Italian in New Jersey, I mean, yeah. you can't get away from the carbs. You can't, you can't. And, you know, but this is what we were taught was good. And then we were taught to stay away from red meat. Um, I actually found out a little while ago in the 50s, it was widely known. Mm -hmm. You know, this is by doctors that if you wanted to lose weight, yeah. you should eat red meat. Interesting. Yeah, not stay away from it. You should eat more red meat, like uh -huh. focus solely on, on red meat. And, you know, we've, we've gotten away from that um, through bad policy and, and through a few other things. And I think, you know, looking deeper at why we do things and maybe changing up our lifestyle, like it's easy to see that things aren't working, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, so you either do something about that or you just continue going on the dangerous path and, and ignore it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times we're told not to believe our eyes almost. You know, you know? what I don't understand, Joe, first of all, like I've always wondered, why does government want to get involved in what I eat and what I don't eat? Right. right? Um, so, so from a money perspective, mm -hmm. um, it initially came from hiding inflation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so look at inflation as like a spectrum, a vector, okay? Mm -hmm. um, not what you pay for a bag of chips. Yeah doesn't necessarily, the price doesn't necessarily inflate by the same rate that you pay at the gas, at the gas pump, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. So you'll see, you know, maybe 2% inflation on your Doritos or something, mm -hmm. but you'll see 50% inflation when you're getting gas, when yes. you're filling up your, your gas tank. Um, and, you know, this obviously goes through all goods and services of society. Mm -hmm. So basically, the stuff that we want and need most yeah. gets hit the hardest. Mm. Okay, so that's where you're seeing um, you're seeing like the valuable food, for example. Mm -hmm. Sorry to go back. I, had it, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the most valuable food would be a, a ribeye, for example. Yeah. Really nutrient dense. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, versus, like we said, the bag of chips. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see inflation hit those foods the hardest, mm. as opposed to the cheap, easy foods like mm -hmm. rice mm. Um, or corn. Mm -hmm. That's not, they're not gonna be hit as hard. Yeah. So how do you hide inflation? You get everybody eating corn and rice mm. and chips. Mm -hmm. And this is the processed, easy to produce food that's heavily subsidized by the government, um, as opposed to you know the New York Strip that just went up 30%. Yeah. Um, so there's an incentive to hide the inflation Mm. that's going on, um, you know, that the government's creating essentially by inflating the money supply mm. and direct people towards cheaper forms, cheaper sources of food. So now that you brought that up, I don't know if you know anything about this. I was just genuinely up, like wondering, like in the 90s, we all grew up with that simple ad, got milk. Yeah. And now it's disappeared. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, they were running it on milk is good for you, is healthy for you, mm -hmm. strong bones. And then what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's that's a good point. Um, I've heard you know we're the only species that drinks milk. Um, yeah. My brother's actually on a raw milk kick. Wow. And, and this is in the last few weeks. That's I hope really he boils his milk. I, I, he I don't he gets it directly from a farm and I. I learned the other day, I, I got to check if this is true. Apparently, New Jersey is the only state mm -hmm. where raw milk is illegal. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, that's why people go to You got to fact check that. But yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so he's been, you know, following a few Instagram accounts and learning from various people. And uh, I mean, he's got to also talk to a doctor, but. Or a nutritionist, at least. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I like the approach of looking at things, you know, from we call first principles approach, right, yeah, with clear course. eyes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just questioning why you do everything. I like how he used Instagram to question everything. But he has to do his due diligence. Oh yeah, and it's not just Instagram. You know, yeah. I just there's guys, there's doctors on Instagram, right? There's yeah. there's um, there's uh, you know health professionals on Instagram. There's you know everyone. It's just that happens to be the medium. But it's also the internet at large, you know. And, and ever and, ever seen that YouTuber guy called Meet Kevin? Meet Kevin, no. Yeah. So he's big time. He blew up like a, a year before the pandemic for like real estate. Then during the pandemic, he started making videos on what you should invest in, this and that. He made his portfolio public for everyone to see. Yeah. And he's made people hundreds of thousands of dollars, and mm -hmm. he's made millions of dollars. And then one day, this was a few months ago, he sold his whole portfolio mm -hmm. completely. 
Yeah. And he says, I'm doing this because I think we're going to have a bad crash coming up. And then people are like, dude, what the hell? What am I supposed to do then? I've been following your YouTube page since day one. <laughs> I'm not going to sell. I mean, all my money is tied into this or my savings right. is tied into that. Mm. Those people are suing him now. Oh, boy. You know why? Because he's never... He never went, or by the way, people, we're not professionals, so we just want to let you know that. We're just two great guys chatting. But he never told people on his YouTube that he's not a professional. Oh, he didn't put the disclaimer in. No, uh, no yeah. disclaimer. And then in California, they have a specific law for things like that. Right. That you can sue a famous person or yeah. whatever, a movie mm -hmm. studio. Yeah. If they're yeah. going off pretending that they are. Oh, man. So yeah. That's why, you know, I mean, yeah, I have a feeling your brother's pretty smart. So <laughs> he'll uh, look into that. I drank milk raw, but in the farm in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like they were boiling it for hours. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what the farm does that he gets it from. But yeah, yeah that sounds okay. That, that makes sense. Um, there's actually another guy. At, now you bring that up. He, uh, I think it's, it's on Instagram. And it's an account called Raw Meat Experiment. Okay. I think I might have showed you this the other day. Yeah, actually. this Did guy eats you? liver. Yeah, yeah. He goes to Whole Foods every day. Uh -huh. And he gets a piece of raw meat, whatever it is that day. And he gets raw eggs too. And he just sits there in front of the camera every single day. And he's, he's like over 100 days in now. And he does this every single day. And he just eats like raw ground beef right in front of you. Raw steak right in front of you. But I'm just thinking like the bacteria. And like your stomach acid can only cook so much. Right. Again, this is, I mean, this is all the stuff we were taught, right? Is, you know. Um, I mean, it goes to caveman days. They cooked meat on an open flame. But you, but you also can eat raw meat if it's, if it's sourced properly. Yeah, if it's um, I guess if it's cleaned yeah. or if it's fermented. And that's what I found so amazing about this guy is he goes to Whole Foods. So yeah. he's not going to, you know, some remote location, unique yeah. location. He's going to Whole Foods. And he's doing it every day for over 100 days. It's all documented. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says he hasn't gotten sick once. Um, which, again, I'm not advocating for this. Yeah. I look at it and it, it discuss, like, I wish I could do it. I don't know if I could, to be honest with you. I don't know if I could bite into a raw piece of ground beef, like, mm. without, you know, <laughs> spitting I mean, it back up. I don't know. But it's, it's an interesting thought, interesting concept to me. That's um, crazy. And I, I, I have heard, maybe you know more about this. Do you, does the food we cook lose nutrients through the cooking process? Yes. Okay. Without a doubt. Right. So, I mean, you know, maybe there is some value to oh, eating. Yeah. But, like, I would rather eat vegetables raw than meat raw because all the nutrients, there's more nutrients in vegetables. Bioavailable nutrients? Like, I believe so. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, like, it's always encouraged to eat raw vegetables more than cooked. And then mm -hmm. if you're going to cook it, they would recommend you steam it. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Instead of boiling it. Yeah. But on that note, because I have to get to work, Joe, thank you again for taking the time. This was uh, a lot of fun. I know this was sprung up on you. No, but no this, worries. Conversations with you are always a pleasure. This was a long time in the making, folks, <laughs> believe it. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll just do another one. Maybe next week. Let's do it. We'll just look at the numbers. And if you guys uh, are in high demand for Joe to come back, we could talk more. If you have any questions uh, about Bitcoin and stuff, you can PM it to me or whatever. And then I can just spring it up on Joe or whoever on the next conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, you guys Anytime. have a good one. Thank you, Joe, again. This Thank was you. Fun. A lot of fun. Don't forget to like and subscribe, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Take care.